What is up, everyone? Join us in our quest towards being top-level communicators. Welcome to the Guide to Awesomeness podcast, powered by Coldwell Banker Ronan Realty and produced by Twisted Spur Media Solutions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Guide to Awesomeness. I'm joined today by Tom Story. Tom has been selling real estate in Toronto for nine years. He is focused on repeat and referral and built a consistent seven-figure business. He ranks in the top 35 under 35 in Canada with Royal LePage, as well as the top 1% nationally. He's become a go-to source for CTV, CP24, and Global to give insights on the Canadian housing market. Tom is focused on education and building an audience to grow his business year after year. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, man. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. To get things started, I just want to get a better idea how you really got into the business that you're in. Sure. So I remember when I was uh, 18, actually working a summer job for my uncle, he had a, a business that would basically like go into houses and they would set up, you know, when like big TVs were really heavy, you mm-hmm. know, like 10, 12 years ago. Oh, yeah. They're the really big, ba- heavy. Big, huge back on them. Yeah. But yeah. everybody wanted them on their walls, right? Because it was that really cool, like flush look. And I had this summer job where I'd go with my uncle and I would uh, I would just go like help him. And I only did it a few times. Uh, just help him like hang TVs on the wall. And looking back, I'm like the, the least handy person ever. But I just I can follow instructions. And one of the houses we went to, this guy came home early and I started chatting with him. And he was a real estate agent. And it's funny, like now a decade later, I know who it was. I've never told him, but we've connected since. And I just chatted with him for like 20 minutes. It was like, and it kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, this is interesting. I like the fact that, and the big thing he said to me was like, listen, man, it really has nothing to do with homes. It's people. You know, if you're good with people and people trust you, you can figure out the knowledge after the fact. So that's where the seed was kind of planted, like not really sure what I was going to do. Summer of university. I went to the University of Guelph to take a degree in sociology. But then after about second year, I was so certain that I was going to do this that that's where all my focus went. So I I finished university, I graduated, but in fourth year, as I was wrapping things up at school, I was taking my real estate license. So uh, that's kind of how it started. And then literally like got out of school, did that, that Euro trip that everybody does and came back. I was like, all right, it's time to focus in here. Got licensed early 2014 and uh, never looked back. And I think that happens with a lot of people. They, you know, you start off that path, especially after high school, you know, going into university or college, you're thinking, okay, this is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do. And partway through, you just kind of change your mind and, and every, something happens and it, it clicks and it makes sense for you. Totally. And the thing that I think actually really helped me at the beginning is like, I was so certain that I was going to make this work coming out of it that, you know, I was not a natural my first two years in real estate. I didn't like shoot out the gate and sell a bunch of homes. And, you know, that, that's not how it worked. Those are big learning years. And, uh, but I recognize looking back, I'm like, okay, I went all in on this. I have this degree in this other thing that I'm not actually interested in. I better make this work. Like, I didn't really have a, an option not to make it work. And I was lucky that at the time, my first two years selling real estate, I was living in my parents' basement. <laughs> and so I didn't have these massive expenses. And for me, it was like, I need to make this work. I don't actually care if I make no money my first year, I need to learn everything. I need to understand how this industry works, how I can build out my database. And for me, starting in downtown Toronto, as a 22-year-old, your friends can't even afford to buy a house. 
even if they wanted to or they trust you, they can't afford it. They can maybe afford to rent, right? Uh, their parents don't trust me as a real estate agent yet because you get started. And that's the thing, right? Everyone tells you like, oh, when you get into the business, just create the people that know, like, and trust you. But what they never tell you is that they know and they like you, but they don't trust you yet. <laughs> that comes later. So yeah, that that's kind of what happened. And then I built my entire business those first two years off doing leases in downtown Toronto. I got to the point where I would walk into condos and I would know every single floor plan and the concierge would know me by first name. And that's that's how I built it up. And then, you know, now almost a decade later, all those people have come back and, and bought properties and, and we've kind of matured with our clients over the years. Of course. And I think that's something that everybody needs to understand is that you may have to start kind of at the bottom. You got to work your way up. You're not going to get, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, there, again, there are those off chances that things work out like that, but be prepared for the fact that you're going to have to put the work in and put the effort in to get there. I had many times in that first year that I was like, "Uh oh, <laughs> this isn't going to work. <laughs> I remember even once I was sitting there in the morning, I had one buyer I was working with at the time and I found out they went to the listing agent directly because I didn't sign up and, and learned my lesson. And I remember sitting there being like, oh my God, how is this going to work? I'm so lucky I'm sitting in my parents' basement right now because I can't afford life right now. And thinking like, this sucks. I remember too, my first six months in the industry, I think collectively from the leases I had done, I had made like $12,000. It's not a living wage. And then something clicked like month seven, month eight, where a few things fell into place. I was like, oh, okay. That's also when I recognized. And one of my mentors always says this to me, he's like, real estate's a clumpy business. If you're not consistent, it's clumpy and you can have a good year next month, <laughs> right? Or you can go three months where you do nothing. And, and when realtors have that feeling, that pit in their stomach of like, oh my God, I got nothing going on. You're going to figure out a way to get something going on because that feeling sucks. And I'm sure that kind of ties into the idea of what made you really want to grow your business to the level that it's at now. Yeah. I mean, if I could look back at that first year, I, I don't think I learned like what not to do frankly, uh, in terms of what I was doing. And, and the biggest thing that kind of changed the mindset for me was, and, and I think this is pretty normal across the board. You get into the industry, you think you can be everything to everybody. You'll go anywhere. You'll drive two hours to show a property just because that's your one opportunity and you don't want to give it away. And I recognize that. But once I figured out like, okay, I can't just be a chicken with his head cut off here. I can't just run around everywhere. I can't be everything to everybody. I need to get better at scheduling. So the first thing that totally shifted things for me was the dentist analogy. And this has been told to me by many people. It's like, hey, your dentist calls you and is like, Tom, can you come in next week? It's up for your six months. Come and get your checkup. I'm like, okay, fine. They're like, okay, you can come in Thursday at 8 a.m. or you can come in Tuesday at 2 p.m. Neither of those are great times for, for me, but fine, I'll do 8 a.m., <laughs> you know, because you gave me a choice. So I just started giving clients choices and, and trying to get a little bit of my time back. But it was still super reasonable. I was like, hey, I can show you properties. These are the two opportunities. And 90% of the time, they would pick one of them. The thing is with real estate, especially when you're getting started, you know, a lot of people get into this industry because they want one of two things. They want to have a great lifestyle or they want to make a lot of money. And both are okay, right? But I'd say agents typically get one. You get a great lifestyle because you're not doing a lot. <laughs> or you can make a bunch of money, but you're like just stressed out and burned out at all times. And it's like, what's, what's the point? I don't really understand. So for me, it was that realization of I don't want to just do this and, and be another statistic that didn't make it to the two years in the industry. Like I got to get more, more focused in on this and actually treat it like a business. And, and that's when I was like, okay, CRM, have a schedule, uh, be better with my time. 
look at my calendar every single week and book in the things that are personal first that can't be moved and then try to fill the business things around it because otherwise you'll just move your whole life for business when, when an opportunity comes up. That really helped me kind of mindset wise what I need to do to move forward. And with all these things that you're doing, I know you've got all kinds of video content that you put out, you've got your podcast, you've got the coaching networks that you're working on. How has it impacted the way you do business? Well, yeah, it makes me get even better at scheduling, right? Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like the last three months of this year, I, I realized I said yes to too many things. This wasn't one of them, to be clear. I'm happy to be here. Like I was pumped for this. I love doing podcasts, but I said yes to too many things and I am exhausted is the truth. So I recognize, okay, so one of my goals for next year is being better at saying no to things unless I'm really pumped to do it. Because it's like now if I look at what my what my day looks like, I'm the listing agent on my team. So I go on all the appointments and I'm the direct contact for all the sellers. So that's kind of what my day looks like. But I also have five other people that rely on me to create business opportunities for the team where I've taken the role of creator and a lot of my team members are taking the role of service. So they're great at servicing them. And, and that's the thing. A lot of real estate agents are really great at servicing the client, but bad at creating the opportunity. And if you're super busy servicing at all times, how do you create? So the way that I look at it now is like, I've got a few things going on where I've got my actual business, which is where most of my attention goes. Like that's, that's number one priority on everything. I wake up every single day and I, and I think, what can I do today to put myself in a position to speak with someone that wants to sell a property, right? Regardless of market, life happens, people sell properties, right? So how can I be the one that they connect with? Then it's like, okay, well, then how do I continue to do that and then create opportunity for the team that is following up with my past clients, doing the typical stuff that all real estate agents should do, like picking up their phone and checking in with people and having a database plan. And then to, for new business creation, it's the YouTube videos and the Instagram content, which is what do I need to do this week to put myself out there so that people will recognize who I am and, and maybe I'll build some type of authority that when they are ready, because the moment that people actually need to move comes very once in a while, you know, it's not at all times. Why would they reach out to us? And then on top of that, it's like I do a video course and I, and I speak. And when the news calls you, like, you better say yes. You can't just say no. They're not going to call you back. So I'll be honest, it's been a bit stressful this year, but one of my goals for next year is get even better at fine tuning things and, and making sure everything's in the right bucket. And I think a lot, I got really into like teaching myself income hacks at the beginning where I was like, okay, someone told me that they've been to a lot of real estate agents funerals, but never a retirement party. And I'm like, no, no. Okay. That's not good. So I, I invested heavily in real estate when I could afford to do so. So, so that's my retirement plan. I'm going to continue to do that. And then just knowing that you don't have to have seven income streams. You can have two that are really great. You don't have to spread yourself thin because then your, your main buckets are going to suffer. So that's kind of what it's been like this year. And I, I'm not going to add anything new ne next year because I don't think I can handle it. I'm just going to focus on the things that I have because the main thing I actually care about is like do a good job for our clients, do what we say we're going to do, make sure my team members are taken care of. And I think the business will kind of grow organically from there. Of course. The idea, again, is like you, you look at the process of growth and you figure out, OK, I'm I'm at a point where I, I'm doing the things that I want to be doing and I'm doing things that I think are valuable. So let's let's make sure that this works and, and get it working to that 100 percent level. That's it, because there's so many shiny objects, right? I tell people like I joke, like if you want to if you're lonely, get your real estate license because your phone will not stop ringing. But it's not from clients wanting to buy properties from people trying to sell you stuff. <laughs> right. Like that's that's kind of it. And there's just so many things to look at. But I think what's worked 
the best for me is simplifying things and just going like, okay, well, here are my clear goals. Here's the three things I need to focus on every day because I find that we tend to overcomplicate things in this industry. And I think it's because, oh, it's it's simple. It's simple. It can't be this simple. It's It's not easy, right? It's definitely not easy, but it is fundamentally simple in the actions you have to take. And I think because of that, some people go like, oh, no, it can't just be that. There's got to be something else here. And what I've recognized is I dumb things down. <laughs> and I'd say the main feedback I get on my YouTube videos is like, hey, thanks for being the one person that explained this in a way that I understood. Because there's a lot of really smart people out there and economist style people that aren't actually economists that are saying things. I'm like, you sounded great for the last 20 minutes, but I have no clue what you just said. Yep. I know that feeling. Right? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I think you just have to put yourself out there and and in a big amount of my growth and the fact that how most people even know who I am outside my market is the online stuff and the content creation. And I truly do uh, like doing that. I would probably do it for free anyways, but the fact that it has propelled my business, not only with consumers that are watching it and going like, hey, you know, you're the guy I learned everything from, would you help us when we're ready? But what was kind of amazing to me was that other people in the industry that I didn't know existed would reach out to me and go, hey, I have a client moving to Toronto. I see you're the Toronto guy. Can you help them? And so that, that's been pretty neat. And that ties in really well with my next question about the idea of, you know, that that high level network that you've generated. How is it like what sort of value does it bring to your business and how do you utilize the value to its full potential? It's totally transformed my business. If I look at the core things that I do in my, in my business that keeps it running, which is the systems that we have in place, the process is the plan on a 12 month basis and how we follow up with our clients and how we send them valuable information. I look at my listing presentation, my buyer's presentation, everything I've just gone over. I somebody else gave to me and said, here's our version. You go take it and make it your own. And that's why I'm pretty open with people like I've given my listing presentation to probably over a thousand realtors because I don't care. There's no secret here. You still got to be good at presenting it and going in and know what you're talking about. So those networks, you know, what I think it is, too. It's like the real estate coaching community, right? There's there's a lot of great real estate coaches. I'm, I'm in one of those communities and I've created kind of my own sub community on, on the video niche on the side of it as well. Coaching will keep you accountable. I think it gives you a little shot in your business every few weeks. There needs to be a plan in place. You need to actually do the things, right? But I think that one of the benefits of any of these coaching companies or any network you're a part of is actually just the other people. Because when I go out for dinner after a conference or I'm sitting beside someone and just having a little conversation, I pick up one thing from them that I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I do a lot of uh, mastermind groups as well. And the, the one thing that I've recognized from the people in there is that no one's smarter than anybody else necessarily. It's not like they do more business because they're smarter, have this advantage. It's like the people in these mastermind groups and we talk about ideas, we come back the next month and every single person there has that idea in action. They're doers. So I'd say what I've learned from these networks is, first of all, set bigger, crazier goals, kind of look up because if you don't see someone else doing it, you just try to do what you can do. And human beings have a way of like surviving, but not thriving. Like they can survive. They'll make sure they can make their mortgage payment. They'll make sure they can take care of their kids and they'll get to that and then go like, okay, I've done that. But what if you could keep pushing and pushing and pushing and also recognizing that, you know, let's say you're two years into your business, comparing yourself to someone that's 10 years in doesn't really make any sense. Ask them where, where they were at in year two. So the, the network's been, been massive. I think if there's one thing I would have done even earlier on in my career, it would have been to 
join some type of coaching community even earlier on because I, I've learned pretty much everything I do from from that network. That can really expand through a lot of different sort of networks and a lot of different sort of career choices. Really, when you're when you're part of a community of people that are doing the same thing you're doing, you learn from each other, you grow with each other, right? The, the whole idea of competition, yeah, sure, they might be somebody that might be a competitor with you. But at the same point, like you said, nothing really is new necessarily. It's just everybody's talking about better ways to do it. You know, it's funny. I feel like I'm in my own little world sometimes with the network that I have because we're all so open and we're like, hey, I just did this thing and it worked in my business. Check it out. Like we're so open about it, like almost in a weird way where we overshare everything that works that when I come into contact with someone that's closed off, I'm like, what's wrong? What's going on? But but I actually realize that's actually more of the industry than the other side is. But I'm just not really talking with these people on a daily basis. And when I started my career, the, the amount of people I would reach out to and just be like, I have one question. Do you have five minutes? Because I know you don't have half an hour for, for a coffee meeting or something. Do you have five minutes? I have one question. Most of the people that said yes are people that are still thriving in their business and literally gave me like the one little nugget I need to go like, okay, thank you for that answer. But then I had just as many other people that just didn't get back to me or said, okay, no, sorry, I can't help. And looking 10 years down the road now, I'm like, oh, interesting, because they were the people that kind of perceived you thought were doing well. But but we're so holding on to what they thought were secrets that were not secrets that they didn't want to share it with them. You just never know how, how it loops around back in business and you're dealing with the same people over and over again. And those people that are holding on to it like that, they don't grow because they, they think that what they're doing is the only way to do it. Yeah, they're not open-minded to that there could be another way. And that's actually what keeps me on my toes. The fact that I'll do presentations to brokerages or whatnot and literally tell them like everything I do, like my entire blueprint. I'm like, okay, well, now that everything's out there, I got to go find something else. <laughs> you know, like I better continue to get better here because everyone has the thing. And I mean, you know this as well. Like the, the reality is, even if I have a room of 100 people I'm talking to in six months, 5% of them will still be doing the thing. But most people just know about it, but not actually do it because they're too much being busy in their business instead of actually being productive and doing the activities they know they need to. And as you built your team and your brand, what hurdles do you, did you have to kind of overcome and how did you go through that? Well, I, I built my team probably the wrong way. <laughs> I didn't have much structure in it. My first team member was another agent who was like my friend who still works with me and, and we're great, but that's probably not the best first hire to make. A partnership agreement when both of you are still like new in the industry doesn't really make any sense. If I were to go back, I'd say like, okay, well, I should have gotten to a point where I had too much business, I couldn't take care of it, and then bring in like an administrator first. That's how I would have done it. We had me and two other realtors that were selling and no administrator before we brought in an admin. And if I could turn it back, I would not do it that way. So far, we've had really good retention. Only one member has ever left our team and she left the industry, but everyone else come in has stayed. And, and if I look back at like, okay, my, my current team members, how did I attract them and, and where did they come from and why have they worked, right? So, you know, Cam came from CBRE. He was the first guy. I, I've known him for a long time. He's an analytical guy. He knows the numbers. He's really good at that kind of stuff. And he's very great with those type of clients, like really good at breaking things down and being direct. Where Morgan on my team, who was primarily our main buyer's agent last year, she is more emotional in terms of her personality and understands like, okay, you've lived here for 30 years. So I connect here with clients that she's going to jive with. 
And then my mom is now on the team for the last two years. And she came from direct sales in another industry for the past 30 years and is coming into real estate, like crushing it. Like she's just so good. And then we have two other agents that I would say are newer agents, less than two years in the industry. And when they come in the team, I start them on the path of, okay, listen, I will help you grow, but you can't just join this team to think that I'm going to give you every opportunity. That's not how it works. You got to build out your own and I will and I will give you opportunities as they arise. But here's my plan. So when they start as new agents in, in my market, they do leases the first year. Wendy on my team started in December. She's done like 55 transactions, most of them being leases, but still she's building it up. And then when they get to a comfort level, then they, they start working with the first time home buyers and then and then kind of build from there. And the cool thing is that with all the content stuff, it's like people think, oh, you know, you just do that to find new clients. And that's kind of the truth. But actually, what it's been amazing for that I didn't even recognize is like Amrit, who joined my team, he found me and reached out to me when he's getting his license because he watched my YouTube videos. Wendy already knew who we were from Instagram. So I'm attracting by not even actually recruiting. Now it's gone to a point where the hurdle I'm facing right now is in a market that is shifting. I'm getting like three to five people a week reaching out saying, I want to join your team. And I'm like, I'm not a daycare. <laughs> like I, and I say that in like a nice way. It's like, I don't just come to me now because the market's not good. Why do you actually want to be a part of this? Like this has to be an equal give take relationship. So what I'm trying to be very smart about now is growing the team for the sake of growing the team would be a bad business decision. I really like our structure. I like our culture. I like our just the whole thing that we have going on where for me to bring somebody on moving forward, it would have to be like someone that goes out of their way and bugs the hell out of me for a long time that I'm finally like give in and be like, okay, fine. You've proven the fact that you're willing to do the work. Let's like give this a shot. But that's more what I'm worried about moving forward is as we change markets here, who just wants to kind of latch on versus who wants to actually be a part of it. Of course. And I think that can happen with anybody, right? The idea if a business is doing really well, everybody wants to be a part of it. Everybody wants to have, you know, their their say in in change and their say in growth and everything like that. And so you've got to be able to put up that barrier every once in a while. Yeah. It, just being smart about it, because I, I look around to a lot of other very large scale teams across really North America for real estate. And the turnover rate is uh, very high it's a very, very high turnover rate. So I don't want to be that. I want to keep structure here. And and the, the way that I always put it is like, if you watch like UFC or anything, you know, they, call, they say like pound for pound for fighters. Mm -hmm. I want to be a pound for pound real estate team. I want to be, a, if I was the same weight as anybody else, I could take them on. That's kind of the way I want to look at it. I don't just want to be the biggest for the sake of putting a picture out there with me and like 50 people. Like that's not, I, I want to run a profitable business, not just a big machine. With your content creation, I know I, as as somebody who does that kind of work as well, it's not always easy. What is your ideation process and how do you get yourself into that creative mindset to be doing that kind of content? I think the first thing is, is you have to have an area in your home or your office that you can sit down and it's already there and you click record and you start talking. If you have to set up your lights and your camera and your microphone every single time you do something, halfway through, you're like, never mind. <laughs> So, you know, where I'm doing this podcast with you today, I have it. This is where I do my, my YouTube videos. I have my desk. I have two lights on each side. I have a light in front of me. I have a camera in front of me. I have like a little background thing here. And if I was trying to say, I sit down and talk. So I, I've taken away the barriers, right? That typically, so that would be my first piece of advice. Like you need to have an area that you can sit down and just do it. And it doesn't have to be fancy. 
It can be a table, a chair, a microphone, and your iPhone on a stand. That's all it has to be, right? And then it's, okay, you you now as someone in this industry have two choices for content. You can do longer form content, or you can go down the path, which is right now the most popular path, which is short form TikTok style, Instagram real style, YouTube story style, style content. Now, I think there are pros and cons of both. I think you have to understand who your audience is. So for me right now on the short form content, I don't play in the um, TikTok world. And the only reason I don't play there is because I know lots of people that do play there that have huge followings. And I've asked them directly, like, do you sell homes because of this? And the answer is typically no, but it's, but look at the numbers. And I'm like, okay, then I'm not saying it doesn't work. It absolutely can work. But I think most people go to TikTok to be entertained and then they move on with their day. So that's my thought on that. And again, I'm happy to be proven wrong. On the Instagram side of things, I recognize that my following and most real estate agents following on Instagram is just other real estate agents. (laughs) When I'm making short form content for Instagram, I'm typically talking to real estate agents. I'd say two out of my three, if, if you look at like all my stuff, one's for the consumer, then two for realtors, one consumer, two for realtors. And I'm not saying like, hey, real estate agent, listen to this but I'm just talking to the camera. Now, those types of videos are all done on the same day. So I'll, I'll rent a studio, I'll bring my video guy in, we'll sit there and film 30 Instagram reels in, in a morning. Or I'll sit down at my desk here with my microphone and talk to the camera and film 10 little ones that can be cut up. And then I send to my editor and then I get them back so I can just kind of post them whenever. I think if you're gonna do short form content, you have to batch film. And you can't start a short form content with, hey guys, it's Tom from this brokerage. Just want to jump on here. You've already lost them. You got to hook them right away. This is the thing I'm going to talk about. Here's why we're going to talk about it. Some light background music to get them to like, we're like, oh, I know that song, but I can't quite hear it. But uh, you got to hook them in that way. And then for the long form content, which is what I'm most passionate about, Because really, if you look at my short form stuff, it's really just taking a YouTube video I've already made that's 10 minutes and turning it into 30 seconds with three points. I think if you look right now at the social platforms and where your competition is as a a real estate agent, um, TikTok is very crowded with the millennial realtors. No one's really doing YouTube shorts yet or really building much traction there. So I'd be interested to see how that plays out. Instagram is crowded with real estate agents. Crowded. YouTube's not. So I recognized this and went, okay, that's interesting. Why don't I start making videos about my marketplace? And it's like, here's what's happening with downtown Toronto condos, or here's what you can buy under $500,000 or the pros and cons of living in St. Lawrence market or, or what, whatever, right? Like what are the things that people would actually type in? Because I believe that people go to YouTube to be educated where they go to these other platforms to be entertained. And if you type in your area, real estate, wherever, whoever's listening, I guarantee you, you're not competing with many people on YouTube that are actually consistently putting out content people care about. You know, I've grown a relatively small following on YouTube. I think we're just under 7,000 subscribers, which is not like that big of a deal, but that has, I, I just ran the numbers yesterday. So for, for 2022, 81 appointments were booked with me from my YouTube, from people watching it, consuming, getting education, saying, you know what, I wanna ask you a question. Can you help us with our home buying or selling search? Uh, we've sold 25 properties this year from YouTube. And that's the only metric I actually care about, right? Like I run a business here. Everything has to be calculated. 440,000 views. And then if you go like, okay, well, what was each video worth? For me this year, each video is worth about $4,000. 
in in actual business that came out of it and each view was worth about 60 cents not that youtube's not paying me to be clear <laughs> right but my business is paying me so i realized okay not a lot of people are here i have something to say i can sit down and talk about it and it's really easy because your your the headline of your video the title of your video is just you type into google your real estate market and you click news and the headlines are even written for you and then you talk about what you think about it and uh it's it's been very eye-opening to me because just like i'm happy to be wrong about TikTok in two years from now when someone proves me wrong i was wrong about youtube where people used to ask me about youtube i'm like oh i just i put my videos there so they show up on my website now i'm like oh no no this is like my new business generation activity which i enjoy and i know now i can systemize it where you know with my repeat and referral i know what re return i can get that's its own bucket then I've got my alliances, which would be with other real estate agents, mortgage brokers, BNI groups, whatever communities you're a part of, right? And then you look at your new business. And for my business right now, my new business comes from two places, basically. It is YouTube or direct mail flyers, which are totally opposite from each other, um, but they both work. And I just think the, the secret behind all of it is like, you got to do it consistently. You're posting on YouTube minimum once a week, ideally twice a week. You're sending flyers minimum once a month. And it's got to be content that you are solving somebody else's problem. If you go on there and start talking about yourself, it's not going to work. The idea of, okay, you're creating content, that's great, but you need to be able to see the metrics. You need to be able to see the value in it. You need to be able to you know, gather that information and know, okay, what's working, what isn't working. And, and that's the only way that you're going to get better at what you're doing. The YouTube on the back end, the analytics is like the most insane in-depth, like it's amazing what it can tell you exactly when someone drops off from your videos, do you need to tweak something? Even something I've realized recently is like, I have intro and outro music. So you hear it and you think, oh, that's maybe that's Tom's video. Like it gets in people's heads. But I, I recognize it's 30 seconds at the end as I'm wrapping up videos and people are turning off my videos two seconds into the music starting because they know it's going to end. So what I'm doing now is I'm taking out the end music and I'm just ending my videos abruptly. Be like, thanks for watching. Bye. Because if, if I do that, they'll actually stay the whole way. So it's like these little things you learn throughout actually doing it but yeah the the analytics are huge and yeah i think it's like a missed opportunity for not for a lot of real estate agents especially for new business especially moving into a market where there's going to be less opportunities your repeat and referral should be the core of every successful realtor's business and you should con continue just treat these people amazingly well but the reality is they're going to be moving less with the market the way that it is so you have to have more new uh business and income stream opportunities than you did previously that's fair again with with any industry, especially the way that everything seems to be going right now. Inflation rates and you know costs of living and everything like that. Everybody's going to be having these these struggles, and I think everyone needs to learn how to how to adapt a little bit more. Yeah, it's um twenty twenty three is going to be interesting. I don't think anyone really knows exactly how it's going to shake out. I think the truth is somewhere in the middle of the doomsday headlines versus like you know when I'm talking with actual people face to face. Some people are like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm not happy with my mortgage payment right now, but I, I can afford it here. Some people are saying like, listen, in two years, my payment's fine right now, but if rates are still this high in two years, it's not going to be great. Hopefully the stress test is going to do its job because that's basically where rates are at now that anyone from 2018 that got a mortgage should mathematically be able to afford this. But I mean, if you look at you know the real estate market, it's like, you look at the opportunity and how many people move and you know we had 125,000 sales in 2021 that's 
that's not normal. That was an outlier. That's not a normal year. You know, we're going to end this year at like probably 85,000 maybe. We're going to be down significantly. So, you know, if your business is better this year, congratulations, you've beaten the market and that's phenomenal. But for the most part, 99% of people, it's not going to be that way. Especially anyone that got into this business in the last two years that thought this is the way it works. Nope, <laughs> it's not the way it works. And, and this was never good anyways, because who actually won the last two years? Who won? A seller that sold in February that was cashing out of the market for their retirement, they won. Anyone else, did they win? No, they sold one property by another property. So they're, they're just kind of moving it around. And in a downward trending market, I just sold my property and I just bought a new house in a downward trending market, which people would be like, well, why would you do it when the prices are going down? It's like, well, because I was moving up. So I actually got a $200,000 discount because that house came down way more than my other property because it was worth less. So I think there's opportunities in every market. And the favorite quote I've ever heard about the real estate market is that uh, real estate's like the weather. There's no good weather, no bad weather. There's just inappropriate clothing choices. So who is this market good for? Cash buyers, move up buyers, potentially investors based on where the rent is at right now if they're, if they're down payment heavy. Who's it bad for? It's bad for someone that bought in February and that's seeing prices. It's bad for someone that has a variable rate mortgage that's gone up $1,500 a month, right? Like you can play every side of every market. We said the market was so great the last two years. For who? For sellers. It wasn't great for buyers. So and I think it's all relative. And, and what I've done for my own business is I look back to the worst time ever at the beginning of the crash of 89. And at, at that moment, there was three, the, the population of the city of Toronto was 3.5 million people. In that year, when prices dropped about 40%, like the beginning of the crash, 44,000 people still traded their property on the Toronto MLS. If we look at this year with a population of about uh, 7 million in Toronto, about 80 something thousand are going to trade their property. So the math is the same. People are going to move. You know, people pass away, people get divorced, people get new job opportunities, people want to move into a certain school district. People are going to move and you just need to be their resource now where you have to caution things with like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I can show you the history and history has a funny way of repeating itself. Are you going to live here for 10 years? If so, you'll probably be fine. But real estate agents got to be careful with the words they choose because the market moving forward is not likely going to be what it was previously. Before we go, I'd like to ask three questions that I ask every guest I have. Are you good to answer them? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what is something you do or use to ensure that you are always striving to work productively? And I think we've talked about this really all already. I mean, the, the biggest thing would be like, I think it's a myth that to-do lists work. I don't think to-do lists work unless it's also in your calendar. <laughs> So my one thing that I would recommend to anyone in any business is an app called Calendly. It runs my life. Everything is in there. That's how people book appointments with me. And what is one habit that has transformed your life? Maybe it's more of a mindset than a habit, but understanding that everything that you do in your business or your life, if you have a moment to think about it before taking that action, that will, that will be worthwhile trying to take a step back and looking at things from like an aerial view or a bird's eye view of, of, you know, what are you actually trying to do here? And really understanding that if you have different buckets where it's like a business bucket, a personal bucket, a family bucket, whatever you want to call them, 
if you have opportunities that come into your life and your business and it doesn't directly fall into one of those buckets, don't do them. That's not going to move the needle forward to you and and whatever you deem to be your success or happiness or whatever it is, have your buckets it falls into. And if you're doing all these things outside your buckets, it's like, I just don't know what the point would be. For sure. And if you could write a chapter in the guide to awesomeness, what would the title be? Visibility beats ability. Visibility beats ability. Yeah. I don't care how I good like you are at what you do if no one knows. Yeah. And I think that's a fair point. I mean, if if you're going to if you're going to be the best at what you do, then you've got to make sure that everybody knows it. That's the thing. Because people challenge me on that. They go, no, that's not true. You got to be good. I'm like, yeah, I know you got to be good. It just doesn't come first. <laughs> it's like, you know, yesterday I was really hungry driving back and I got McDonald's because it was there and I saw it. I was like, oh, fine, whatever. I need to eat something. I'm going to pass out. I, I would have rather gotten something better, but they had the best visibility. They're not necessarily the best ability burger, but you get what I'm trying to say, right? Of course, 100%. Uh, before we go, I'd also like to give you the opportunity to share um, anything in relation to how people can connect with you or any ways that people can hear more about you, things like that. Yeah, I'd say probably just type my name into YouTube, Tom Story. Or if you want to check us out on Instagram, it's at the story team and story is spelled uh, EY. Perfect. All right. Again, thank you so much for joining me today, Tom. I really appreciate you being here. I think we've got a lot of insights to to break down a little bit further later on. And I think uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to have you on again to be able to chat some more. Yeah, I'm happy to come back. Thanks so much for having me. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts to keep up to date with the awesome people and the awesome things that we talk about. This is Jonah reminding you to be awesome today and be even more tomorrow. Have a good one, everybody.